seated as we walk through Psalm 95 together. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. The Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, merciful Father, you have appointed your Son as judge of the living and the dead. Enable us to wait for the day of his return with our eyes fixed on the kingdom prepared for your own from the foundation of the world, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. Our Old Testament reading today is found from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, and then we'll pick up from 20 to 24. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading for today is found in Paul's letter, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 20 through 28. 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of, to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From Matthew's gospel in the 25th chapter. When the Son of Man comes in his glory... All and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, you've gathered us together once again as your people into your house to hear your word and receive your gifts. We pray you move by your spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let us rest in the life and the goodness and the forgiveness that you have given us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. 
All right, this is the last Sunday of the church year. I know you all had it marked on your calendars, but next Sunday begins Advent, this time of waiting and preparing for Christ's arrival, right? So as we look through these last three Sundays, we've been looking at what it is like for that last day. We've been listening to parables from Jesus about what the day of the Lord will look like, what his second coming will look like, what that day of judgment will look like. And so we heard of the ten virgins that were there, five prepared, five unprepared, and then those who stuck around and those who separated themselves from the celebration. And then we heard of the master who was going away, so he graciously gave to his servants according to their abilities, and there were those that did what was needed to do just because that's what the master called them to do. And then there was another one who really didn't trust the character of the master at all and buried away the gifts that the master had given. We got to hear a little more about this gracious master, this gracious Lord that gave to all. And then here we are on this third Sunday of the set, this third Sunday of kind of the stories of the end. And there's a little bit of parable, but not really. It's more metaphor as we hear Jesus say, here's what the last day is going to look like when the king sits on his throne. This Sunday is also known as Christ the King Sunday. Hence that first song was just riddled with all of that imagery of the King of Kings, right? So Christ the King Sunday, last Sunday of the church year, and as we've gone through these past few Sundays, you've also had a beautiful piece of artwork to look at. And so we found another one for this Sunday to look at, and this is Peter Bruegel, who is a a uh, painter from Brussels in uh, the 15, late 1500s to early 1600s. And it's kind of hard, you know, there's a lot of busyness going on there, but there's, there's kind of a, a central figure that I enjoy, just below the mouse there that you see up on the top of the screen. Uh, but right underneath that, there's this guy just walking down the middle of the road. It started to make me think a little bit. Have you ever walked into a home or a restaurant or somewhere where there's just busyness going on, even a church, and there's just busyness going on and there's stuff going on, there's activity all around, and yet it just feels different? Let me go a little further. Think through walking into somebody else's house and seeing kids that are like smiling while doing chores. Yeah. Why is that funny? <laughs> Think of walking into a business or a restaurant or somewhere where you see people there and they're actively working for the care of the people around them. Actively doing stuff just because it's the right thing to do. Actively working through all the stuff that's around, all the duties that they have, and they see you walk in and they greet you with a gracious smile and they welcome you in and see what you need and guide you to where you need to go as opposed to looking up from the cash register and just going, <sighs> and looking back down. So you can walk into different places and see activity and see things going on and wonder. See, this guy's just kind of walking into town. And you can imagine walking into a town in the late 1500s from a long journey and then getting into the busyness of the town square and stuff going on. And if we pan out a little bit and see some of this busyness that's going on, it's just kind of life. There's people milling around. There's people who are in need. There's people who are giving. There's people that are just going about business. And here's this guy just kind of walking into town. 
As we look at this last Sunday of the church year and we hear Jesus talk about this second coming, he comes as one who is unexpected. The timing is unexpected. He's going to show up and just kind of regular life is going on for the most part. People are going to be going about their regular business. People are going to be helping folks on airplanes. People are going to be changing diapers. People are going to be caring for loved ones. People are just going to be being, doing what they do. But God's going to show up in the middle of that. He's going to show up and, and just kind of see what's going on. It's kind of amazing to think, you know, we all start to wonder, well, what am I going to be doing during that time? Am I going to be doing the right things? Am I going to be taking care of the right people? Am I going to be doing the right actions and all that sort of thing? See, as we hear this scripture, I don't think that's on the mind of the sheep that Jesus is talking about in the scripture. They're just kind of busy about life. But it's life with a different motivation. See, as this guy walks into town, we start to see the things that are going on around the town. If you look up in the top left there, you see some guys in the stocks, right? They're in prison. Um, there's folks over there visiting, talking with them, chatting with them. You see somebody else that looks like he's kind of hurting there over at the door of that grayish house, or the tan house on the right with all the brick, shaking a hand, checking in on him making sure stuff's going okay, seeing if they have what they need. And then you see one laying in the bed and sick, and another one walking through the door to come visit and sit with them. Down on the bottom left, looks like some folks who are hungry and a whole soup line that's going on there. Just folks caring for others, right? I think if we even pan into more of the busyness, let's see what else we have in there. So this is now down below that whole other scene. The other scene seemed pretty open. You get into this scene, and there's just a, it seems like chaos to walk into. Yet you see those who need clothing being given clothing. You see those who are hungry being fed. You see those who are not well or hurting and destitute being given things. It's just life. Life in the middle of town. That's kind of the world that Jesus is going to show up in. I know there's so many different traditions that are going to say, look, everything is going to be utter chaos and anarchy and war and fire and everything going on when Jesus comes back. Well, some of that stuff's going to go on beforehand, but that's been going on ever since, well, ever since forever. There's been earthquakes since forever. There's been floods since forever. There's been famines since forever. There's been people mad and warring at each other since forever. And all those things are going to continue to happen until that day that Christ comes back. See, when he comes back, he's going to come back into a world that is just as broken as it ever was. And yet, there's still folks who are doing these kind of things. See, as Jesus stood there and gathered his people together, remember the setting here. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, shows up into his creation and sits on the throne, and he says, on that day, that Son of Man, that guy himself, is going to sit in a seat where folks would expect judgment. Imagine walking into a place and the king brought his throne with you to sit down in the middle of your house and just sat down to start telling you what life is going to look like. 
be kind of an amazing thing, right? Now, we don't live under a king. Maybe that doesn't quite make us think in the right ways. Think of your favorite sports star or think of even the you know royalty from another country somebody famous somebody who had power somebody who had authority even in the business setting think of the president of the biggest corporation you could think of that was the wealthy beyond wealthy that would come and sit down in your presence sometimes it starts to make you wonder right starts to make you maybe even a little scared or off put well here's the king of kings the creator of all things coming back into his creation to sit and judge because that's what kings do judge in a way to where he's separating out what's right and good and what's been harmful or at least not what he would have done right not his will being done So as he sits there, he separates the people out. And the amazing thing here is that all of the people know who he is. That's one part. And all of them have kind of been expecting his return. Yet you've got this one group off to the side, and he says, well done, you blessed. The blessed of my father almost makes you think back to earlier in Matthew when he's talking about the Beatitudes, right? And he's calling all of the people blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who seek after righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are mourning and sad. For they will be comforted, right? And as he comes back in and he separates out some folks and he says, look, you on my right. Bummer. Sorry. For those of you on my left, it's actually way heavier on the left today. This is really strange. Those of you on my right, well done. says, come, enjoy what the Father has prepared for you. Enjoy all these things. And they say, why? What have we done that deserves anything? He says, look, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me food and drink. You took care of me. You took care of... uh, what just needed to be done because it was the right thing to do. And they said, when did we see you? Well, anytime you did this to the least of these, my brothers, you did it also for me. We need to sit with that for just a second there. See, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, of course. That's where he ascended to. Yet he also promises to be with us. We don't always understand how that works or how that happens, but he promises to be with us in his word. He promises to be with us gathered together in his name. He promises to be with us in the promises of baptism. He promises to be with us in the bread and wine of the altar. He promises to be with us in all these ways, and he promises to be with you when you're hurting and when you're sick and when you're uh, depressed and when you're in dark places, and he promises to be with you in all those places, yet he also promises to be with the ones who are going to be carrying for those in dark places. So Jesus still present for those who need care and present with those who are giving care. And in all those places, Jesus promises to be. And so he says, look, when I was in all these places, you cared for me because when you did it for these folks that needed it, you were doing it for me, to my glory, to my gain. He's saying you did it for me because he doesn't need all those things. Yet he was present in all of those places. And he said, wow, we had no idea. Huh. Like this guy showing up in the middle of town, just seeing people taking care of folks. 
wondering what the motivation would be, right? They're just there to care for them. There's so many times that I see you do that. I hear stories of casseroles being dropped off. I hear stories of visits that happen in the hospitals. I hear stories of you know, things just being bought and dropped off somewhere because it's a need, because it's something that needs to be done. It's not because you're trying to earn anything by it. It's just being there to care for the other person, just there to take care of them. See, that's a perspective that God gives you through faith. It's a perspective that God changes your worldview to be able to see things that need to be done for the benefit of the other people, not necessarily the benefit of yourself, Right? And that's what God's talking about here, what Jesus is talking about here when he separates those sheep off and he says, all right, you sheep, you've taken care of everybody just because they needed to be cared for. That's exactly what I would have done. He goes, that's exactly what you need to do. You just go care for the folks because they have a need. Because they're lacking. But you get to share with them these acts of mercy, these gracious things. Now, to those on the left, it's interesting. Conversation is almost the same, right? Except he says, depart from me, you wicked and evil people, you cursed people. He said, when I was in all these situations, you didn't do anything for me. And I think the trouble for them was that they were specifically looking for Jesus' face to care for. Think about the difference there. The sheep on the one side were just caring for anybody that had need. And Jesus said, look, I was there in the midst of all of that and I saw you caring for me. And that's beautiful because you were just doing what needed to be done for no notoriety, no nothing else other than the motivation of just wanting to show some love and care for the folks around you. He goes, but you other folks over here, you're specifically looking for how it would benefit you by solely taking care of the king. Just imagine that. So if you've got a king somewhere and he's in his own town, folks might go help him because, well, he's the king. Yet if that king went to another town and no one knew who he was at all and folks just cared for him, it's a different motivation, isn't it? And sometimes we may get stuck in that motivation of helping somebody else because we know it's going to benefit us in some way. It's going to look good. We might get some recompense, some reconciliation for it. We might get, not reconciliation, we might get some payment for it. We might get some sort of benefit from it. We might get our name out there. We might get to be known better. We might get to maybe earn something before God. We might be able to show how we're really good. That's a very different motivation because those are self-focused motivations. Those are ones trying to kind of prove who we are to God and prove who we are to the people around us rather than just saying, I see that you have a need. God's graciously given so that I can give. As opposed to saying, I'm going to give, but what am I going to get? Right? And so to those goats on the left, to those he said, look, the motivation is wrong. You're not looking to share or do anything simply because somebody else has need of it. You're looking to do something for yourself. And that's not anything that the king that Jesus would have done. And so he says, get away from me. Get away from me to go into a place that wasn't even created for you, but for the devil and his angels. But since you haven't decided to do or haven't worked through uh, what the, this life in faith looks like, just caring for folks because they need to be cared for, 
I'm going to send you away because you really didn't care about my word. All you wanted to do was serve me for your own honor instead of for mine, for your own good instead of the good of your neighbor. So he says, go away. It'd be a hard place to be. But see, we're not at that day yet. In this day, we still get to see all those good things going on. In this day, we still get to see that faith working through people's lives for the benefit of the people around them. In this day, that final judgment hasn't been done at all yet. There's still time to share faith. There's still time to share God's Word. There's still time as we just care for folks because it's the right thing to do, right? And that's how we live our lives and caring for folks shaped by God. God's word rather than our own word. When we shape lives by our own words, when we make decisions by our own desires, when we make these choices by our own wants for our own glory and our own honor, we've already separated ourselves from Christ. And then when the day comes that he comes back, he would say, you've already separated yourself from me. So go away. But again, that day is not yet. A guy walking into that town right there sees all the busyness of life, and you can imagine how chaotic it would have felt walking in. Yet, in that moment, he still sees folks taking care of one another. Still walks in, seeing all the things that are going on in life, and I bet he started to wonder, what what makes them do that? See, the one thing that shapes our eyes towards doing what God would have us do is what he's already done for us. The fact that he has already given everything so that we would have everything. The fact that he has already given his life so that we would have life. The fact that Jesus already died for our sins so that our sins would not weigh on our shoulders when he comes back. But he has already taken care of them. He has already paid the price for that. He has already taken the wrath of his Father upon himself so that you wouldn't have to take the wrath of the Father upon yourself. He's already carried all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your sins upon himself and buried them. And in baptism, that's what was buried. All of your sins buried in Christ. Yet lifted up out of those waters, you're lifted up as he is in the resurrection as well. And so life is then handed over to you, a new Heart has then been given to you, one that beats and one that cares and one that loves and one that is there to see the needs of those around you as Christ has already seen your needs and taken care of them. As he forgives you, then he sends you out in forgiveness. He sends you out in grace. He sends you out in mercy, not seeking your own good, but now seeking the good of all those that are around you, knowing that you're all set before the Father. You've been blessed by the Father, as Jesus declares to those sheep on his right. And he says, you, blessed of my Father, come here. Enjoy the beauties of the kingdom prepared for you. All these things that have already been set up for you. Come, live in them. Come, receive them. Something that was never even on their mind as a motivation. But something handed over as a free and gracious gift. And that gift has been handed to you, dear Christian. Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you are blessed by the Father. You are a child of God. You live life as His own, looking not for your own good, but for the good of those around you. Your sheep, 
What a beautiful thing to be cared for, to be taken care of, to live as one with a shepherd who cares for you. So know that, that in your living, you're not only serving God, but caring for your neighbor as well, and that's something that he smiles upon. And the way that we see that need is solely knowing that God saw our need. He's forgiven us. He's given us life in Him. And that's the promise we rest in, is His sheep. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for the life that You have given us in Christ. We thank You for the world which You have placed us in as You continue to give us our daily bread and then share in such abundant ways so we would be able to give to others. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to turn our hearts towards our neighbors, that they would know of your love and forgiveness in Jesus, that we would not try to design our own days, but know that you have given us all things necessary to go into the places where you call us to speak your word and do your will. We pray, Lord, that you would let us decrease, that your son Jesus would increase. But be with us. As our motivations may turn self-centered, we pray, Lord, that you would turn our motivations outward to your honor, to your glory, and for the good of our neighbor. In Jesus' name we praise and thank you. Amen. I invite you to rise as we sing.